This is Michael Anthony Monsor. He suffered asthma at a young age, but he braved the limitations of the, his disease to succeed in his studies and in other endeavors. He brought the same courage and resilience into every area of his life, including his military service. He was a machine gunner for the Navy's SEAL team, SEAL Team 3, and they provided security at a sniper lookout post in Ramadi. As he moved to ward off a barrage of enemy attacks, a grenade hit his chest. Then it bounced off his chest and landed on the floor. In an extraordinary act of courage, Mansour shielded three of his U.S. colleagues and three other Iraqi soldiers from the imminent blast by throwing, throwing himself on the grenade. The blast killed him. At a ceremony to award Mansour the Congressional Medal of Honor, President George W. Bush praised Mansour for his valor and selfless service to the nation. Michael had two options, said the president, save his life or those who were with him, but he chose to lay down his life for them. It's Memorial Day weekend. We're all aware of it. For many, sadly, this has become nothing more than just a three-day weekend. It's just an extra day off of work. That's not what the day is about, though. Some have forgotten what this day is really all about, and it is a day to honor those who paid with their lives for our freedoms and our liberties, to remember those who died in the service of our country, those who made the ultimate sacrifice. We started a new uh, teaching series last week called Words with Friends, and uh, we are talking about uh, four words in four weeks that have to do with salvation. Uh, last week we talked about grace. Next week we're going to talk about a big Christianese word. Christianese is the language that Christians speak to one another that nobody else understands. Um, but next week we're going to talk about justification. It's a word that we don't use very much anymore. Uh, this week is a word that is familiar to many, especially on Memorial Day weekend, as we talk about sacrifice. And that's the word of the day is sacrifice. We're going to talk about what sacrifice means. Now, what's interesting, I'll talk about this in just a bit, uh, there's another word that is used in the uh, King James Version of the Bible, uh, where the Bible, where the New International sometimes uses sacrifice. The King James or New King James will use the word propitiation, which is another Christianese word that we don't really use very much anymore. But we'll talk about what propitiation means in just a minute. But like I said, today we're talking about sacrifice. And I chose this word specifically for today because today uh, is right in the middle of Memorial Day weekend and we are thanking God, God for the men and women of our country for the sacrifices that they were willing to make, the sacrifices that they made of their lives in service of our country. But their service, their sacrifice pales in comparison to the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on our behalf nearly 2,000 years ago. It was on the cross of Calvary where Jesus suffered and died for our sins, where he took our place, where he took my place, where he took your place, where he took the punishment that you and me, he took the punishment that we deserved. He took that punishment for us. So if you would, please pull out your Bible, and we're going to turn to two different passages in the New Testament as we uh, talk about this issue, this idea, this word, sacrifice. The first passage of Scripture we're going to look at is in Romans chapter 3. In Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26, 
That's the first place we're going to look. And then we're going to look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. But for right now, uh, turn to Romans 3, 21 through 26. And then also grab your bulletin and turn to the HDO. It's on the back page. And we'll fill in some blanks on your handy-dandy outline. I think it even says handy-dandy outline now on the back. So just so that anyone, so you're all familiar with what the HDO is. Again, Christianese. Nobody outside of this building knows exactly what the HDO is. Let's look at Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. And the first blank on your HDO is Jesus, the sacrifice of atonement. Jesus, the sacrifice of atonement. This comes from, the, from Leviticus chapter 16 in the Old Testament where God told the people uh, once a year that they would make a sacrifice. Uh, it was a sacrifice of a goat specifically. And what they would do is uh, the high priest, after atoning for his sins through a sacrifice, would take all the sins of the nation and heap them on this goat. You've heard of a scapegoat? That's where this comes from, Leviticus 16, the scapegoat. They would take the, the sins of the nation, heap them on the goat, and then they would send the goat out of the camp with the, with the man who was specifically chosen to take him out of the camp and uh, to let the goat go free in the wilderness until he would die. And that was symbolizing the sins of the nation uh, being taken away. So that's where this idea, it was on the Day of Atonement, also known as Yom Kippur, um, and uh, it was on the 10th day of the 7th month. So they would send this goat out of the camp, and there would go the sins. Bye, sins. And they would be good for another year. So the problem is, the New Testament tells us that the blood of, the blood of bulls and goats is inefficient, is in, uh, insufficient in taking away the sins of human beings. That a goat is not worth the life of a human, let alone the lives of many humans. But rather, uh, there has to be... Uh, a human sacrifice to take away the sins of humanity. And that's what we find out when we get here in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. Let's look at that now. But now, a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew or Gentile. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith excuse me, in Jesus. Now, like I said, in, uh, God presented Jesus as this sacrifice of atonement. And in the New King James Version, or the King James Version, or the New American Standard Version, they don't use the word sacrifice of atonement, they use the word propitiation. And I looked it up in the dictionary, because again, this is a word we don't use very often, and I know how to use the internet. So I went on to dictionary.com, and I looked up the word propitiation. And the word propitiation, what it literally means is to appease, or to be inclined favorably toward. And so that's what the word, uh, to make favorably inclined, that's what the word propitiation means. Uh, and when I looked at the Greek word that is translated in the New International Version as atonement of, a sacrifice of atonement, the Greek word for atonement there is a word that literally does mean to appease a deity. Paul used it to describe Christ's sacrifice on the cross for our sins, to describe his work on the cross. Because it was on the cross that God gave his son Jesus to die for our sins. 
that he was the atoning sacrifice. And it is through his sacrifice that we are forgiven from our many sins. The sins that we've committed in the past, the sins that we've committed now, the sins that we're committing at this very moment. You're looking at me going, maybe not. Okay, so, but the sins that we commit yesterday, today, and forever, the sins that we commit uh, until we die, those sins have been forgiven through Jesus Christ. We receive God's gift of grace that is applied to our faith when we believe in Jesus, repent from sin, confess our faith, and be baptized. And when we follow God's plan of salvation, we are set free from our sins, we are forgiven from our sins, and we have the hope of eternal life. That is God's, uh, Jesus' blood is applied to our faith. It is applied to us through his sacrifice on the cross. A friend of mine in Minnesota always used to say that we talked about salvation and baptism and things like that. He would always say uh, that it was in baptism that we are baptized into the death of Jesus Christ and that we are washed clean in his blood. Well, where do we come into contact with his blood? It is in baptism because that is when we are baptized into his death. We come into contact with the blood of Christ when we're baptized. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, God says this, Paul says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Christ, and through him, Christ, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ, and he was pleased when Jesus died for our sins. Now, how is that possible? How is it possible that God would be pleased in the death of his son? Think about John 3.16. It's because of God's love. Because of God's incredible, great, uh, unconditional, unfathomable love that he has poured out on us. That it is because of his love that he was pleased in the death of his son. The John 3.16. For God so... The... That he... His only... That whoever in him will not but have everlasting life. Amen. That's exactly what it says. That God sacrificed Jesus on our behalf. God gave his son on our behalf and it pleased the father. And it pleased the father because it was his death that atoned for our sins. It was his death. He took our place on that cross. He took what we deserve. Romans, uh, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. That what we deserve because of our sinfulness, because of the lies we tell, because of the, thing, the lustful thoughts we think, because of the, the things that we take that don't belong to us, because of every sin that we've ever committed, we deserve death. That's what we earn. That's what wages are. Whether you like them or not, whether you enjoy your wages or not, it's what you earn for the things that you do. The wages of sin, the wages of the sins that we commit is death. But... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen. In Romans 3.23, we see that everyone is a sinner. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No matter who you are, everyone is a sinner. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner, we're all sinners. We have all fallen short of God's glory, of His glorious expectation for us. We're all sinners. Sinners cannot be in the presence of God. But yet God sent His Son, Jesus, He sent His Son to be the sacrifice, the human sacrifice that could effectively take away our sins. That it is only through the death of Jesus Christ that our sins can be washed away. It is only through His blood that our sins can be washed away. It is only through His sacrifice that our sins can be taken away. 
And God sent his son Jesus. And this is why it pleased the Father, because God loves the world so much. He loves us all so much, and he wants to spend eternity with us. He wants to forgive our sins, but the only way that is possible is through his son Jesus. And so while it pains the Father's heart, while the Father turns his face away from his son as he dies on the cross, and it pains him greatly, and it grieves him tremendously, there is good that comes out of it. And the good that comes out of it is our forgiveness. Because apart from Christ, forgiveness is not possible. It is through the death of Jesus that the Father's wrath is appeased. It is through Jesus' death that the saddest, that death was satisfied and that he was satisfactory to pay the debt of our sins. Jesus took our punishment and his death was enough. His death was enough. It satisfied, it paid the debt that we owed that we could not pay. It is through Jesus Christ that we are forgiven and that we are free and that we are set, uh, that the, the price has been paid in full. And it's only through Christ. He is the sacrifice of atonement. He atoned for our sins. The second blank on your outline comes from 1 John chapter 4. Why would God do this? Why would God send his son to die for our sins? Why would he, what, what is so special about us that he would send his son to be the propitiation, to be the sacrifice of atonement? Turn to 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to see exactly why this is possible and why God would do this. 1 John 4, 7 through 21. The second blank on your outline is Jesus, the sacrifice for sins. Hold your, hold your place there at 1 John 4. And I will read 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 first. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 says this. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of of the whole world. That's 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Uh, Jesus, again, is not only the sacrifice for our sins. He's not just the sacrifice for Christians. His atoning death is not limited to just people who believe, but rather he is the one who can take away the sins of the entire world. In, in the Gospel of John, uh, John the Baptist sees his relative Jesus walking by and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God, the sacrifice who would take away the sins of the entire world. So why would God sacrifice his son on our behalf? Look at 1 John 4, 7 through 21. John writes, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God uh, so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. 
and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. These three beautiful words, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. God's character is love. That God is love. And his amazing, incredible, awesome, unconditional love that he has for all of humanity, for every man, woman, and child, for everybody, is ours free for the taking. That God sent his son. This is the very definition of love that, uh, that John says. That the definition of love is that God sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. What did Jesus say? In John chapter 15, verse... Uh, uh, John, uh, Hold on one second. John 15, 13. In John 15, 13, greater love uh, has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his. And then Jesus goes on to tell his disciples, you are my friends. That God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to lay down his life for his friends, to lay down his life for us. Jesus demonstrated the greatest love of all because he died for the whole world. Like I said, Jesus is the perfect human sacrifice. Only his death could appease the wrath of the Father, could appease the anger of the Father. And now the debt has been paid. The sacrifice has been made. The, the, The wrath of God has been appeased. He is satisfied. There is no more wrath for you or me. But rather, we are not under anger. We are not under wrath. But we are under love and grace. That God loves us. And he loves sinners like us. He loves everybody he loved in romans chapter 5 verses 6 through 8 get this i love this you see at just the right time when we were still powerless christ died for the ungodly very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die but god demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners christ died for us jesus never said Okay, Sean, if you clean up your act, if you get it all together, if you stop doing this and stop doing that and start doing these good things, then I'll die for you. It was when I was in the the midst and the muck and the mire of my sin that Jesus said, I will die for you. You too, folks, for all of us, for the whole world. He never says, clean up your act and then you can come to me and then I'll forgive your sins. No, he says, you need to forgive your sins and then I, I will forgive your sins and then I'll clean up your act. See, it's called sanctification. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. Power of the Holy Spirit to come in and sanctify us and change us from the inside out. We'll talk about that, like like I said, in two weeks. Next week, justification. The last week is sanctification. But I don't want to move past sacrifice just yet. Because this awesome thing that God has done for us by sending His Son Jesus to be the sacrifice means that all of our sins are washed away. So what do we do? How do you respond to that? I mean, how do you respond to this amazing gift that all your sins are washed away? You just say, okay, thanks, God. Cool, I'm going to go do whatever I want. No. What does John say to do? He says to live a life of love. We are to love God 
and love others. To love God and love others. That means we love our brothers and our sisters in Christ. The people in this room right now and the people who are on vacation or, you know, people who get here, gather here on a regular basis and, and in places like this all over the world, those are our brothers and sisters in Christ. We love each other. That's what we're called to do. As a response to God's love for us, we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know what it, you know what it means to live a life of love? It means that you love your spouse. But I don't want to love my spouse. Yes, you do. Because God loves you. And he expects you to love others, including your spouse. He expects you to love your children. I don't want to love my children. My children are crazy. Love your children. It means you love your brothers and your, and your sisters, your siblings. It means you love and honor your parents. This is what we're called to do, to live lives of love. To love our neighbors. To love our enemies. To love everyone because of the example that God has given us in that he loved the whole world. God loves everybody. And if you don't love others, if you don't love other people, you don't know God. Because God is love. You don't know God's love if you don't love other people. Well, I don't want to love other people. What gives you that right? You obviously have not experienced the life-changing, transformative power of God's love. We sang songs all about it this morning, all about the amazing love of God. His everlasting love is higher, deeper, reaching. You know, who, how many of you did the motions? Anybody did the motions this morning? I did the motions. I'm proud to say it. I'm a motion doer. God's love is amazing. God's love is awesome. This is like, this is, this like permeates my brain all the time. I just cannot get it. I can't wrap my mind around it, just how awesome the love of God is. And I'm always thinking about God's love. That right now, okay, right at this very moment, God loves you. Every single one of you. He loves you right now. He is loving you right now. He is pouring out from heaven. This overflow, this abundance of love is just pouring out of him, pouring out of him onto you right now. You are loved. You may think, nope, nobody loves me. I'm not worthy of love. You don't understand what I've done. I don't deserve God's love. No, you don't. But you know what? He loves you anyway. He loves you anyway. You don't know what I've said. God does, and he loves you anyway. You don't know what I've did. God does, and he loves you anyway. You don't know where I've been. God saw you. He loves you anyway. He loves you anyway. Embrace that. Breathe it in. I want you to say to yourself, I am loved. By God. Forever and ever. Nothing, the Bible says, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is ours in Christ. Nothing can separate you. From the love of God that is yours in Christ. Neither height nor depth. Nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of God that is yours in Christ. Can you own that? Can you believe that? Because when you believe that and when you own that and when you say, God, I accept your love. I, I love you and I'm, I'm thankful for your love. I'm, I'm, I'm just so overwhelmed by your love. When you are overwhelmed by God's love, you will, you will pour, it will pour out of you. It will flow through you to others. 
And that's what we're called to do. What does John say to do? Live a life of love. Live a life of love. That is what we are called to do. To live in love and to love others. And I'm, I know I sound like a, just like a broken record. It's like, okay, we get it. We're supposed to love other people. Do you really get it? Do you get it? You are loved by God for the purpose of loving others. That's what we are to be agents of God's love to this world. Like I said, if you don't understand, if you don't love other people, you don't understand God's love for you. You have not fully received this awesome, amazing love of God. You don't understand what the cross is about because the cross is about love. You don't understand what the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is about because the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is all about love. If we truly understood, if we truly understood what God did for us and the price, the price it cost Jesus, we would be the most loving people on the planet. And we'd just be running around with these great big grins on our faces all the time and just be like, I love you. We'd look like idiots, but that's okay. I want to be an idiot for Jesus. That's me. The Bible calls it foolishness. I call it idiot, okay? Either way, I want to be that for Jesus. I want to be a fool for Christ, loving everybody all the time, everywhere. That's my goal. It should be your goal too, to live a life of love. Because out of God's great love for us, he sent Jesus to die for our sins. You cannot hate anybody. You cannot hate anyone and claim to be filled with God's love. Because God is not hate. God is love. And once we realize how our sins caused Jesus to die, our only response is love. And we have to be filled and overflowing with the love that the Father has demonstrated on our behalf on the cross. Jesus sacrificed his life for us because of his great love for us. Brian Chappelle tells this story that happened in his hometown many years ago. Two brothers were playing in the sandbanks down by the river. One ran after another up a large mound of sand, and unfortunately the mound of sand was not very sturdy, it was not very stable or solid, and their weight caused them to sink in quickly. When the boys did not return home for dinner, the family neighbors organized a search. They found the younger brother unconscious with his head and shoulders sticking out above the sand, and when they cleared the sand to his waist, he awakened. The searchers asked, where's your brother? And the boy replied, I'm standing on his shoulders. He sacrificed himself. He sacrificed his life for his brother. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. And that is exactly what Jesus did for us. He sacrificed himself. And now we stand on his shoulders He paid the ultimate price. He made the ultimate sacrifice. My challenge to you is if you are not trusting in him alone for salvation, that you do that, that you would trust him, trust in his atoning sacrificial death on the cross for your sins. Trust him today. You can come forward in just a few moments when we have our invitation song. You can come forward today. My challenge for the rest of you, if you have been baptized, you've given your life to Jesus, awesome. Consider how you are responding to God's love and grace. How are you living? What kind of life are you living? Are you living a life of sacrificial love as Jesus did? Are you laying down your life for others? Who's standing on your shoulders? 
Are you fulfilling Paul's words from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2? Get this. This is the last verse. Live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. On this Memorial Day weekend, 2013, let us follow the example of Christ and live a life of love by making our lives a sacrifice for others. Father God, our, our prayer is, is such that we just, we just cry out in desperation. We cry out to you for love. Make us loving. Help us to love others as you have loved us. Help us to share the love that comes through Jesus to the world. Thank you for sending him to be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, that he gave his life for us. He, he bore the, the pain and the agony of the cross for us. And now we are standing on his shoulders. He gave his life so that we could live. And for that, God, we are grateful and eternally thankful. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. Through the name of your son, Jesus.